And welcome everybody. Got a few more weeks uh, left in this series. You got a lot of pages there. You say we're only on page 10, but a lot of it's appendix, and we covered some of the appendix already. But we still do have several weeks uh, left. And I'll tell you where we've been and pick up where we left off at the bottom of page 10 in just a moment. But let me just uh, remind you about uh, some things that are coming up. One is an item that you can help us with, perhaps, and that is as we prepare for our first ever Vacation Bible School, which will start one week from tomorrow, and it'll be each evening, Monday through Friday, here. But in preparation for that, uh, we still have some props and some painting that uh, need to be put together. So tomorrow evening, uh, from 6 to 8, and if you can't be here right at 6 because of work or other obligations, that's fine, but... If you, can, if you can help, that would be great. Now, we'd like to know how many people are coming. So it means you need to write yourself a note or pull out your smartphone and do this right now, and that is email uh, vbs at cbctrenton.com. So we have an email address for Vacation Bible School, and it is that, vbs at cbctrenton.com, and say uh, that you can come, and if you can come for an hour or an hour and a half or whatever it is, that would be great. So that's a, a work day tomorrow evening in preparation for Vacation Bible School. If you can help, that would be uh, greatly appreciated. Let us know at that email address. And then we have our second and final, uh, oh, this Friday, I'm sorry, this Friday, we have our annual Mud Hens uh, game. We go to a Toledo Mud Hens game every year. We always have a blast, and we reserve a block of tickets all in the same section. So we have those tickets and have had them for several weeks available for you to purchase but if you're going to come, you've got to purchase them today because the game is Friday. So if you haven't done so already, those will be available actually as you walk out the door. So Sandra is going to set up shop at the door because this happens every year that uh, we have folks who go, oh, I intended to buy those. And then during the week prior to, we're getting phone calls. Hey, did you sell all the tickets? How can I come by your house to get tickets? Can you leave them under the dumpster so I can come and pick them up? Can you... Any number of things. So, in order to avoid as much of that as we can, if you would pick up your tickets on the, on the way out, and Sandra's going to remind you that you need to do that by being in your face when you, when you leave by the, uh, by the exit door. The tickets are $9 each, and I encourage you to come. We always have a great time. And then one week from Wednesday is our next uh, Backyard Fellowship. That'll be at the uh, Brinkley's house, so just mark that, uh, 6.30 at their place, and the Backyard Fellowships are always... Uh, a lot of fun as well. All right, page 10 in your notes, When We Have to Choose. This series is about, as the name suggests, how to make decisions in a way that are wise and honoring to God. And in the weeks that uh, we've been going through this study, we've looked at inappropriate ways, inaccurate, erroneous ways that folks make decisions. And then we've tried to hone in on principles that will help us to make wise and God-pleasing decisions. And the first of those principles, from which then we're going to draw some sub-principles, is that we need to begin with the end in mind. If you're going to make good decisions, small and large, in your life, then you have to know how those decisions fit into some larger objective. If you're simply making decisions in a vacuum, without considering how they fit into what it is you're supposed to be accomplishing, 
then you, you may hit it, you may not hit it, but if you do, it's going to be uh, a blind shot in the dark. So for us to make wise, knowledgeable decisions that advance us in the direction of the purpose that God has given to us, we have to know what that purpose is. And so we call that beginning with the end in mind. And then we spent a decent amount of time talking about what the end is. And I will try to summarize it very quickly so that we can pick up at the bottom of page 10. But the end given in Scripture for all things, the objective, the purpose for all things at all times and in all places is the glory of God. You don't have to look very far in Scripture to, to find that. Uh, whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10.31, Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through, through 36, our doxology, a praise to God in conclusion of this marvelous listing of the mercies of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ and, and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And then Paul ends that with this doxology to God, and it's from Him and to Him and through Him are all things. It's all about Him. So if you're asked the question, what's the purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? If you say glorify God, you're good. But then you have to answer the next question, what does that mean? To bring glory to God. And for many of us, that means going through life and not doing anything that's contrary to God's Word. So if I go through life and pursue my own agenda, but in pursuing my own agenda, I don't do anything that's contrary to God's Word, then I'm honoring Him. And that's not correct for this reason. That God has given us a mission to carry out in order to achieve His glory in His world. So His purpose is His glory. But He has also given us direction on how he wants that glory achieved at different places and at different times in history. So your Bible is laid out with different, we saw from Ephesians chapter 3, different house arrangements, house laws, dispensations, the NIV translates it administrations. And there, are, there were times where God achieved his glory through a particular means and he established that means and he commanded his creatures to follow it. So he makes a, a garden, he puts two people in it, and he tells them what to do. And he's going to receive his glory through them doing that. But they don't. And then God establishes a law and calls a nation. And he is going to pursue his glory through that nation obeying that law and carrying out that law in their interactions. So you have the garden or innocence and you have, and you have the law and, and then you have Christ coming and you have a new, a new covenant, a new agreement, a new arrangement. And that's centered around something called the church as we saw a couple of weeks ago. So Jesus' Jesus' work is being carried out through his church, local assemblies like this one that are committed to carrying out the mission that he's given. So unlike in the first part of your Bible, whether it was in the garden or through the nation of Israel, now there's a different means by which God is achieving his glory in his world. And in the future, there'll be still another way. God's going to come and establish a kingdom. 
And in all of that, and there are some others in between, but if you just do a cursory reading in your Bible, you've got to at least get those four. You know, the garden, the law, uh, the church, and the kingdom. Because they're all there, they're all quite evident, and they're all different. But they all have the same ultimate objective, the glory of God. Now, what is the glory of God? It is the display of His character. So God's objective is to display Himself, display him char- His character, make Himself known throughout His world, and He has chosen to do that in various ways. And the Bible tells us, as we have seen, that He is carrying that out now through the agency of the church. All right. So if I'm going to make God-honoring decisions, you're going to make God-honoring decisions, small and great, I've got to begin with the end in mind. What's the end? The glory of God. And then God tells us in His Word how in this age He is achieving His glory, displaying His character in His world, and furthering His character in His world. And He's doing that through the mission that He gave to His church. So you start to, if you're thinking, if you're still awake, you start to then see that I need to start arranging my life somehow around this mission that God has given to the church. Rather than fitting the mission of the church around my life, I need to make my decisions in order to pursue that mission by which God is achieving His glory. Now, I know when I say that, that's completely opposite what all of us do. We go about our lives, and then we fit some God stuff into it. And yet God has called us to the mission that He has assigned to the church in order to achieve His glory, and He has called you to that and me to that, and He's equipped each of us to engage in that. And so I want to make decisions that further that that do not retard that, do not, that do not uh, prohibit that, get in the way of that. And with all of that, then, look at the bottom of page 10. I'd like to summarize it in four what I call facts of life, then. I mean, this is all about how do I make decisions in life that are honoring to God. Well, start with the end in mind, His glory. His glory now achieved through the mission of his church. And so as I try to pursue life, what are the facts of life that I need to bear in mind? And this is then kind of a summary, these four facts of what we've been looking at. The first one is this, purpose determines life. Our steps are ordered by what we believe to be our purpose. Since many have not given conscious thought to their purpose, the manner in which they live their lives displays the aimlessness that results from such a perspective. And so I gave the analogy, an illustration a few weeks ago about, for many people, life being one big Bill Knapps. Somebody remember that? I'm just waiting here till God beams me up, just biding my time. But another way to think of it is life is one big mall. And we're all teenagers wandering around in it. That's what teenagers do at malls. They wander around. I've had the misfortune of being at a mall. Only a couple of times. That is, that is I mean, only a handful of times. I don't like going to the mall. 
when I go to the mall, it's because there's a restaurant that's at the mall that me and my family like, and we go to the restaurant and we leave. Now, my wife and my girls have been to the mall, but I'm not a mall guy, okay? But when I've been to the mall, I've noticed a phenomenon. There are teenagers there, and they wander around. And they just go through from place to place, and they do the thing. And sometimes, you know, malls, you know, have to keep an eye on these teenagers, and what are they doing, and what did they go into the store with, and what are they coming out of the store with, and all of that sort of stuff. And sometimes malls want to reduce the amount of traffic that these hangout teenagers do because if they're not buying stuff, if it's really just hanging out. So this is a true story. A couple of years ago, a mall decided they were going to cut down on teen traffic in the mall. And this is how they did it. I'm not making this up. They started playing Barry Manilow music. And the teenagers went out with their hair on fire, running out of the, out of the building. That is, no, that is no lie. But for many of us, life's kind of like that. We're just wandering through the mall of life. Stopping in occasionally here, nibbling a little bit of that, without having any particular purpose to it, just aimlessly wandering around. Hopefully having some fun while we do it. But it's really, and, and it, it, on a very serious note, it is very sad for people who have been given direction from God about why they've been placed here and why they've been left here. Think about that. I mean, why am I still here then? If all that matters is that I have a relationship with Jesus and I'm going to heaven, I already know that. That answer has already been given when I came to Christ. And yet I'm still here. So what am I here for? I'm here for a mission. To bring glory to God, and that's being achieved by the great commission that he has given to his church. And purpose determines life. So if we were to give testimony here, most of us, if we were honest, would say, I have not given conscious to that. I'm going through the mall of life, picking and choosing the stuff I like to do and fitting in missional kinds of stuff as best I can, if ever. Well, that's an aimless life. Maybe fun, but it's aimless. Bottom, bottom of page 10, believers have been instructing regarding their purpose and therefore do not need to engage in this kind of drift. And so what is that purpose? Well, it is glorify God. I created you for my glory, God says. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So our purpose in life is to bring glory to God, to make Him look good. <laughs> by the way we live, and by extending His glory, His character into His world, by seeing other people come to Him, being taught what He is like, and being conformed to his image. Purpose determines life, and our purpose is to bring glory to God. But second fact of life is this. God has given you a mission. His mission for you is to bring glory to him through your participation in the mission of building the church, through learning about him and then teaching others, living the truth about God every day through the choices that, that we make. 
So notice Ephesians 3, this marvelous chapter that we looked at a few weeks ago that talks about God having these different house arrangements, these different oikonomases, that's the Greek word, house orders, administrations at different times. And in the midst of that marvelous chapter for God's plan for the ages, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. And that chapter ends with this doxology, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we saw in previous weeks Jesus' last commands to His first followers. We call it the Great Commission. We have it repeated for you here from Matthew chapter 28, and we saw from the book of Acts that when that mission commission began, it started coordinate with the beginning of the church, and it advances with the church. So we're to glorify God, and specifically we're to glorify God by the carrying out of His mission through the church. And then fact number three, God has prepared you to accomplish the mission. Purpose determines life. God has given you and me and all of us who name Jesus a mission. And God has prepared you to accomplish the mission. Now this is where it starts to get more personal. Okay, there's that more abstract glory of God. Okay, there's the mission. What about me? And here we're saying that the Bible teaches that God has prepared you, me, all of us, to accomplish it. God's call to mission does not stand alone. He's equipped us to carry out the mission through His work in our lives on the basis of what Jesus did for us at Calvary when He died for our sins. The Holy Spirit has given to each of us spiritual gifts or talents and abilities to use for the carrying out of the mission. As a result, we each have not only the responsibility, but the capability of being involved in the mission. Notice the passages. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's one of those verses that sometimes does not get read, does not that is easily overlooked because we focus on the couple of verses right before it. And the couple of verses right before it are justly well known. It is by grace, verse 8, that you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And then we stop there. But notice the first word in verse 10. For... See, that's a continuation. For, because. So it is by grace you have been saved through faith. But why have I been saved? Not to put a period there and leave it. I've been saved because, for, I am His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And when it says we're saved for because we're to be God's workmanship, 
That word that's translated workmanship is the Greek word poema. And we get our English word poem from it. So it is sometimes translated God's work of art, God's craftsmanship. So what's the idea of you being God's poem and me being God's poem? You're saying, man, you look at my life, that's one ugly poem. And you look, and you look back at your life. And you look at all the good and the bad and the ugly. And if you don't buy into what God says about his sovereign oversight of what has happened and what is happening and what will happen in your life, if you don't buy into that, then you'll see these as a bunch of random collection of events. And what purpose do they have? And the Bible teaches that every last one of them, good, bad, and ugly, is part of the tapestry that he's putting together that is your life. So now all of the junk is redeemed. All of the stuff that I've gone through, and in this room there are represented all sorts of stories, and even the most horrendous story our gracious God redeems. as part of his tapestry to be used in the work that he's prepared for us to do, in advance for us to do. So you thought everything was random and you thought it was just, and you, and you live that way and you live with the despair that goes, necessarily goes with that. And yet God is orchestrating and God is at work. And so the verse that we quote but forget when it needs to be applied. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. So your life is that tapestry. The good, the bad, the ugly. All of it. You say, I've had just bad experiences, how could... Well, here's how. Let me just give you one example. Remember, remember what the glory of God is. The glory of God is the display of His character. So now, in how I respond to the events of my life, I have the opportunity to display the character of God. I can display the character of God in the love... God is love in the love that I now show for other people in comforting them with the very same comfort that I have received from God. Now that's almost a quotation. Let me give you the verbatim quotation. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 1 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that, now I'm going to stop, praise, glory be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our stuff. Then it says, verse 4, so that, the so that is because, right? 
for this reason. Why has God comforted me in my stuff? So that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. What a precious passage. So I can now display the character of God, the love of God, by now being used as His instrument to comfort others in their trouble with the comfort that I was given by this compassionate God in my trouble. I want you to notice something about that passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that, and this is what it says, so that we may comfort those in any trouble. Now, there are going to be people that God's going to bring into your life who have the same trouble you had. And you'll have special insight into their trouble because you went through it. I know this. I know this from experience. Our family uh, experienced four miscarriages before we had our first daughter. And my dear wife has been able to minister to ladies over the years, particularly ladies who have gone through that sort of pain. But verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 1 does not limit it to just the specific thing you've gone through. Yes, if you have somebody who's going through the same thing you did, you've got special insight and you can be of special help and God does that. But it says He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. Because trouble is just ugly. And God's comfort applies to whatever trouble that we're in. And so God's grace and your story of God's grace in your life is designed to be the means of God's grace in somebody else's life. So he's prepared you. He's prepared you by the bad stuff, the difficult stuff that's happened in your life. He's prepared you by the good stuff. I mean, you know, if you listen to me, you would think we're all just, you know, it's all been bad for all of us. But the truth is, all of us are a combination. And some of us have had more on the bad side, and some of us have had more on the good side, but we've all had some of each. And so the, the blessings that God has given to us, including the giftedness that God has provided us with, are to be used for His mission. And God, according to His Word, has gifted each one of us in various ways. So notice 1 Corinthians 12. One and the same Spirit works all these, all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as He desired. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. So 1 Corinthians 12, many of you are familiar with that compares the church to a body with all of its members and parts, hands and eyes and feet. They're all different. They have different functions. And they're all equipped to carry out those different functions. And in the analogy to the church then, God brings us all then together at a time and a place in the words of Esther for such a time as this. 
for us to use those gifts and abilities to advance his mission. And he includes you then, if you're a follower of Jesus, in those gifted members. Peter, likewise, each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, in the next verse, verse 11 of 1 Peter, Peter goes on to say, so whether your gift is serving or speaking. <laughs> so Peter just has these two broad categories of serving and speaking. And where do most people fall, the serving or speaking category? It's the serving category, right? Because on all surveys, you know, the, the, the thing that people are most afraid of, other than death and sometimes more than death, is standing up in front of people and talking. But you've got some people who God has gifted to speak, but most of us, he's equipped to serve in some capacity in some way other than speaking. And 1 Corinthians 12 says that those are individualized. And then Romans 12, likewise. Just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. All right, so is the Bible clear that every member of the body has been gifted to function in the body? The Bible is absolutely clear about that, isn't it? So let's just stop and think about this for a little bit. What if you had, what if you had parts of your body that refuse to function. We've got trouble, don't we? We've got ill health. So I want each of you to think about now, if it's true that I have been gifted, is my gift functioning? And if it is not, to that extent, it affects the health of the body. I want you to think about it another way as well. These are called gifts. That implies a giver, right? The Bible is clear that the giver is God. God has gifted you. So God has given you abilities to be carried out in the mission of his church. If I don't do that, if you don't do that, it means ill health for the body, one. And I'll just have to be straight with it, okay? It also means direct disobedience to the giver of the gift, right? I, God, gave you that gift to function as part of my body. It can have ancillary uses. It can aid you at work. It can aid you in leisure. These abilities that you have to organize events and Boy Scout events or I'm making stuff up, golf tournaments. I don't, it can aid you in all of that. But the main reason I gifted you was for you to participate in the work that I'm carrying out in my mission through the church. 
So, God wants it to be used that way. And, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll shut up in a moment on that. I'll move on. Because it's very convicting, I know. But God not only gives, but God will evaluate whether what he gave has been used. Am I right about that? We will, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3 speaks of the building that God is constructing, a building of people. And each of us has a role to play in the construction of that, of that building. So Paul says, I was like a master builder and I laid a foundation. And then Apollos comes and he builds on it. You guys remember that? But then we're included that in that. Each man, it says, each person will be judged according to his work. In the construction of God's building. So, that third fact, God has prepared you to accomplish the mission. It is a blessed thing because it includes His comfort, His grace extended to you through all the difficulties, but it also means a stewardship responsibility for the giftedness that He's provided to you as well. So what do you do about that? You know, as a, as a pastor, I can just bark about stuff every week and say, this is what we're supposed to do, and then give you no avenue to do it. And I don't want that. That doesn't do you any good. That's frustrating. It doesn't do the ministry any good. If you've been around us any length of time, if you've taken our newcomer's orientation, if you've taken our new members course, you know that we have a ministry devoted to placing you in ministry. And we have tools to help you identify your giftedness so that you can be placed effectively in ministry. So I don't, I'm not content to just stand up here and then say, this is what we're supposed to do. I want to give you ways to do that. So every member is to be a minister. Every member is to be serving using his or her gifts in God's church to carry out his mission. So the ministry for that is community service. So when you come to our church, you are consigned to a lifetime of community service. That's your punishment for joining this church, okay? And we have an email address for that like we got for everything, community service at cbctrenton.com. And if you can't remember community service, info at community, or at cbctrenton.com will work fine as well. To say, tell me how to get involved. Or every week we've got the connection card. And there's a spot on it to check off to say, tell me about volunteer opportunities at the church. And turn that in, and we'll get back with it. And then page 12. Fact number four. God's prepared you for the ministry, but he has also placed you in the mission. Placed you in the mission. Contrary to popular notions, all Christians are called to the ministry. My dear mother, now with Jesus, as of a little over two years ago, but one of her favorite things in life was to brag on the fact that she had a son who's a, quote, minister. 
because down in Pikeville, that's what they called Pat. They used to call them ministers. And so she brought that to Michigan, and she would tell everybody, my son's a minister. And every time she would introduce to me to somebody, she would say, this is my son, Kenny, and he's a minister, okay? which is true. But if you're not careful, that implies I'm a minister and other people are not. Other folks in the church are not. But the, the, the word translated minister or ministry in the New Testament is simply the word for servant. And so, yes, I'm a servant. We are all servants. And we are all in the ministry then. And so the only issue then is how and where one will minister or serve. Our individual calling involves a couple of things. How God has wired us, that's the gifting, but also the circumstances in which he has placed us. Now, let me stop. We'll go on there. But notice I've got calling in quotation, our individual calling. So sometimes we'll say so-and-so is called to the ministry. Well, in this sense, everybody's called to the ministry. But then we'll see a particular thing that somebody's able to do, and they're not doing it, and we'll go, you missed your calling. And that idea of calling comes from a Latin word, vox, V-O-X. And we get vocation from that. So when your vocation can also be your calling, it's a beautiful thing. But the truth is, most of the time, your work vocation is not the same thing as your ultimate calling. Most of us try that. You know, uh, I think it was Paul Harvey, the late Paul Harvey, who said, find what you love, do it, and you'll never work another day in your life. Well, yeah. Most of us just have to work, and we don't love it, and we spend most of our life trying to find what we love, okay? So if that works out for you, beautiful. But mo- for most of us, it's just the, the workaday world and having to do the grind and all that, but your, your ultimate vocation, vox, voice, we get voice from that, God's call, God's voice is for each of us to use those gifts and abilities in a higher calling, and that is his mission to bring him glory through his church. So our individual calling involves how God has wired us, that's our gifts and abilities, but also the circumstances in which he's placed us. 1 Corinthians 7. And there, as you'll read, it's about you know, marriage and whether I should get married or not get married. And Paul's counsel there, as you read that, is all about make the decision based on what's best for the mission. I mean, he talks about, you know, okay, you know, you're going to weigh your, how much time am I going to require to give to this choice versus this higher calling. So make the decision in terms of whether or not it's going to advance the mission. There's a summary of what Paul's saying there about something like, should I get married or not? Now, marriage is an honorable thing. He goes on to say that. I obviously believe in it. I'm married. Plan to stay that way. But even a choice like marriage needs to be made in terms of mission. So you would love to have been a fly on the wall when Kim and I were dating and talking about mission stuff. No kidding. 
We're 22. We got married at 22 and 23. And for the 14 months that we dated, those were 14 intense months of talking about how we will partner together to carry out God's work. I'm not making that up. Because I had to let her know that I'm thinking I'm going to be a pastor. So if we get married, you'll be a pastor's wife. And she's saying, uh, I've seen pastor's wives, and, and I'm not one. They all play the piano. I can't play the spoons. Uh, seriously, she had that image in her mind. They all, all pastor's wives play the piano. I can't play the piano. I mean, I am not a pastor. So we have to talk about this. And the truth of the matter is, if, if as much as I was attracted to Kim and loved her and everything about her, the truth is, if we were not on the same page on mission, then that's not the choice for me to make, and vice versa. But in God's good providence, we did, and she has, and, and here we are. And what I'm saying to you is that's true for us in every choice that we make. So let's just think about some practical ways that marriage is a huge one. Obviously, we need to be agreed as we yoke ourselves together, 2 Corinthians 6, so that we are not unequally yoked, not only in terms of our, our spiritual status, but our direction. But then other things that you're making decisions about all the time. It's summertime right now, and we're all either bent on vacation or wish we could go on vacation or go away from a weekend. A number of our brothers and sisters are gone now, getting some rest. We, as a family, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be taking Laney down to Florida to go to college, and we're going to stop off a few places before we go as a family to have some vacation, and we're looking forward to that. But what about decisions like that? How do you make decisions about leisure. Do those fit into the mission? Well, they absolutely can, and they, have, and, they sh and, they, and they should, but they have to be thought about that way. Instead of the mall wandering around approach, and I wander in here, and oh, that picture looks good, and Bermuda, if you've been to Bermuda, good for you, but I'm just making stuff up. Bermuda looks good, so let's go here, let's go there, let's do this, let's plan our lives around that. Without any connection to the mission, then that's not using the resources that God has given for his mission in the way he's intended. So how does leisure, rest, vacation fit into that? Well, you know, when Jesus was involved in his earthly ministry, the Bible says he would from time to time come apart and rest. But it was rest with a reason. It was rest to get back in. So we don't live to to play. We play so that we can live. We rest so that we can get back in the game. Dear friend, many of us are spending our lives thinking about the next cool thing to do without any connection to simply using this as a means of refreshment, of relationship, strengthening our family so that individually and as a family, we can carry out God's mission together. If you plan your decisions that way, now you are intentionally making decisions in order to advance God's glory through His mission. And God's placed you in the mission. Therefore, all decisions, all decisions 
should seek to advance the mission. And, and you're not doing that. <laughs> and most of us are not doing that because we've never been taught to do that. But that's exactly what we need to do. Every decision we make, we need to think about, why do I do this? Why do I purchase this? Why do I spend my time on this? Is it to advance the mission? And once you start doing that, let me just tell you from experience, once you start doing that, it will begin to become second nature for you. You know, I don't have to think about, as is probably obvious, should I eat today, okay? But does, does choosing to eat have something to do with the mission? Well, obviously, I can't carry on the mission if I don't do that, right? If I, if I do it, do I need to go to work today? Yes, I need to go to work today because I can't carry on the mission if I, if I don't do that. So you need to think about them all in terms of advancing the mission. But once you do that, you don't think about them intentionally and consciously every time you make a, a small purchase. But your, the rhythm of your life is all about the advance of God's glory through the mission of His church. And that's what God's calling you to. That's what God's calling all of us to. So I just want to encourage you guys, consider that, evaluate. Are you doing that? We want to help you with that. Info at cbctrenton.com. Community service at cbctrenton.com. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you again for the blessings of this day and of the opportunity to go through this material, to think about our lives in light of what you've entrusted to us. Lord, you've entrusted three major categories to us, time and treasure and talent. And all of them are yours. And all of them come to us by your hand. And Lord, you deserve and you demand that they be used for your purpose. So help us to cease being people who are wandering through the mall of life. And help us to be people who have a focus, a laser focus upon the mission to which you have called us. So that each decision we are making, small and great, about where we will live, about what we will buy, about how we will use our time and our talents, are all designed to intentionally advance your work in your world. Lord, as we do that, then, may your glory be spread because more people come to Jesus and more people are, learn of Jesus and become more like him. Your glory is the display of your character, and Jesus is the absolute embodiment of all that God is because he is God. And so as we become like Jesus, we bring glory to God. And as we bring people to Jesus, we expand the glory of God in your world. So, Lord, help us to be a team of people, a body of people, carrying that out intentionally, joyfully, and for your honor. Go with us this week, we ask you. Keep us safe and bring us back next Lord's Day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.